0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. You are listening to the Faces of TBI podcast series. This episode is brought to you by MFNC Brain Rehabilitation, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of chiropractic neurologists who are experienced in treating conditions such as post-concussion rehabilitation, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health rehabilitation in Minnesota. They've greatly helped me and many others in the Twin Cities. You can find them online at mnconcussion.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zolmer, and you are listening to the Faces of TBI podcast series created by Survivors for Survivors. Raising Awareness About Traumatic Brain Injury, One Podcast at a Time. Those of you who might not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice, and I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, and I also volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council, and I recently released my first book, Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal. You can learn more about me at facesoftBI.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. Today on the show, I am talking with Penny Eisenberg about driving independence and how physical rehabilitation can help keep survivors on the road after a brain injury. Penny is the Director of Therapy Operations at Health South Rehabilitation Hospital of Virginia and has a special interest and expertise in driving rehabilitation. Penny personally directs all aspects of the Driver Rehabilitation Program, including evaluation of cognition, vision, visual perceptual skills, and physical abilities. Penny also performs on-road assessments of driver competency, trains in the use of adapted equipment, and develops driving re-entry plans. HealthSouth is one of the nation's largest providers of post-acute health care services, offering both facility-based and home-based post-acute services in 34 states and Puerto Rico through its network of inpatient rehabilitation hospitals, home health agencies, and hospice agencies. So, Penny, welcome to the show. I'm so thrilled to have you here today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, this is a topic that comes up a lot in my Facebook group, um, talking about, you know, after you've had a concussion or a brain injury and they yeah. restrict or take away <laughs> your driving abilities. And I know right. that, you know, that loss of independence is just... So disheartening. Um, so, Penny, I want to start out with you giving our listeners a little background of who you are and how you came to specialize in this particular field.
0: Okay, I'm happy to do that. Um, I'm an occupational therapist by background. Um, have over 20 years' experience, last 17 of which have been here at HealthSouth, um, and I kind of fell into the driving program. Um, Soon after after I started working here, one of my colleagues who had a passion about driving developed a program, and then she became pregnant and chose not to continue it, and I sort of, as I said, fell into it, and over the years it has become a passion of mine, too, and I've done a fair amount of continuing education and specialized training in the realm of driving rehabilitation since that time.
1: Yeah, you know, and I'm sure you work with the whole gamut. You know, I know you also help work with um, aging adults and keeping them on the road, as well as people who've suffered a brain injury or other neurological disorder. Um, Yeah. You know, and as I said earlier, it can just be so disheartening to have your driving taken away. And I, you know, I look back to when I first had my accident And as I drove to the doctor that that same day, you know, an hour after I fell, I'm like, I really shouldn't be driving. Like, I just remember, like, I couldn't quite process, I see a stop sign. Do I stop now? No, I stop at the stop sign. Like, I just remember this that, and I go, oh, my God, I shouldn't be driving. (laughs) And I never said a word to anyone because I didn't want that taken away, Um, which, you know, fortunately, I I think I, I was over that that hard part of it in a couple days but gosh you know it's so hard to lose that independence and have to rely on somebody else um so what what are some of the the steps or the programs that you go through with someone um to get them like so someone who has had their driver's license taken away what are what are some things that they can do um to try and get back driving quicker
0: Well, it's an interesting thing. You know, I don't need to tell you or your audience. A brain injury is as unique as the people who have them. You know, the brain being such a complicated organ, everybody is going to have different deficits and everybody's going to have a different recovery. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's hard to really define one option or one route for everybody, but there are a couple of things that really need to be done. Um, obviously, if you're ready or you feel you're ready to start on the journey to resume driving, you first have to have medical clearance. There's not going to be a therapist or a driving rehab specialist who will see you anywhere without that medical clearance. So whether it's from a neurologist or from a primary care doctor, there has to be a prescription and a release of um, a, to allow someone like me to start the process of evaluation. So that's, that's number one place to start. And I think what goes hand-in-hand hand with that for a lot of my clients is really getting to a place that they feel ready. As you said, it, it's a huge loss, but it's also a huge risk to do it too quickly. So you have to get to a point that you yeah. can feel ready um, and not let anybody else tell you when you feel ready and not let other things make you feel ready. You have to sort of get there yourself. Um, And if you're not there, it's not the right time. So I think those two things are critical. Um, Every state has slightly different driving um, regulations. So a lot of what I'm going to speak to, obviously, is what I know, which is Virginia. It's going to be slightly different elsewhere. Um, the, The medical clearance is consistent everywhere, but other things may be state regulations. So you get a medical clearance. Oftentimes, it's hard to find someone like me who who does this driving rehabilitation program. There's not a lot of us around. So I recommend contacting your local DMV. They should house a list of specialists who provide driving rehab services. And that's, that's the place to go to find out who you can contact and what their services are. And they're very different types of services, sometimes you, you might find a service where a person, a individual, does some of the pre-testing, you know, you did a great job defining what I do, which is cognitive testing, visual testing, um, perceptual testing, physical testing, but I also do a whole lot, and I think this is the benefit of being a clinician doing this. I do a whole lot of interviewing and really trying to get insight into my client, and Trying to get their insight into their situation is critical, too. Because with a brain injury, it's what are the residual deficits? And do you understand what your residual deficits are? And then figuring out the impact of driving on those, (laughs) the impact of those on driving, obviously. So I think you want to find a program, if you can, where it's going to be the same person who does the the clinical testing, the pre-testing, as who does the on-road testing. Because I think what that does, it allows that person to develop a relationship, a connection, understand the insight that that client has, kind of get a real handle on what those deficits might be, and have those same eyes on that patient behind the wheel of the car. So I would recommend that if anybody's looking at doing this, they find a program where you're going to have the same person doing both components of the testing, and that's not always the case. Yeah, that seems like that would be, um, it would help make
1: it be a smoother transition, Yeah, um,
0: you know, having the same a comfort, person. There's a comfort yeah. level, too. You know, there's a, obviously, naturally, a great deal of anxiety about getting back on the road, not only because it's so hugely important, as you said, to independence and potentially vocation and potentially getting back into pre-morbid life roles, so there's a, a uh-huh. level of anxiety about all of that. And so if you see one person for one component of testing and then someone different, that anxiety, I think, heightens. So for the benefit of the client, having a, a relationship with an evaluator prior to getting behind the wheel of a car helps too. You know,
1: and, and you talked Backing up a bit, you know, getting the clearance from the doctor before you even, you know, proceed yeah. to go through the rehabilitation. Um, I have encountered numerous um, brain injury survivors who don't, you know, they, they don't comprehend that they're not still okay, right? Yes. And so they think that yes. they're back to normal, and in reality, they're not even close, um, how, you know, how, let's say a loved one is listening. How do you approach someone like that and, you know, like very kindly and compassionately? How, how do yeah. you really kind of let them know they're not ready?
0: Well, you know, there are all sorts of very, um, difficult is probably the wrong word, but very delicate conversations that need to be had around driving. Um, you know, I really speak to the fact that, that driving is one of these things that we all, regardless of our situation, take for granted to a certain extent. And it's one of the very few things that we all do that is really highly dangerous. Um, and, and I speak mm-hmm. to the fact that it's also one of the very few things that we, could, we do that could really harm someone else and not just ourselves and to try and get someone to understand that it's not just taking our own situations in our hands, it's taking other people. Um, And that tends to help people have a broader perspective about it. I also talk to folks about, you know, this is a bit of an insurance policy for you. You know, if you were to get back behind the wheel of the car and say you got into a fender bender or a small accident, even if it were not potentially you're at fault, we live in a very litigious society, and I try and get people to understand, you know, you could be held in account for a lot of things if someone decided to look in your medical history, see that you had a TBI or a concussion, and you're back driving without anyone really defining your competence to do so. Uh-huh. So it's sort of an insurance policy, too. So that there's two kind of angles to help people really get a little bit more um, – gets them a little bit more in agreement with doing it if they feel like they
1: don't really need to. Yeah, those are both, you know, really excellent points um, about it's not just your life that could potentially be harmed, but someone else's. And the thing I hadn't even thought about is if you did get in a fender bender and they find out, you know, you're coming from brain injury, like it could just open up a whole other can of worms. Really great point.
0: there could be lots and lots of different costs associated with that. Right. Now, what about someone,
1: um, and perhaps they haven't actually had their license taken away, but they've been in a car accident. That's how they sustained their brain injury, and they yeah. have a lot of fear and anxiety or PTSD even about getting back in a car and driving again. Um, do you have any approaches you take with those type of people?
0: yeah, you know again, brain injury can create lots of residual deficits, and fear and anxiety and stress around driving is one that I do see, especially as you suggested, if the injury is incurred in a driving accident. And this is what I'm going to reflect on what you said at the beginning that I sometimes create work reentry plans and I mean, driving reentry plans, and what this really is, is just like a work reentry plan. It, it's biting off just little bits at a little bit for the time, um, helping clients of set themselves up for success by defining a very limited driving repertoire at first and, and sticking within that. You know, I tell a lot of my clients that, you know, you need to set yourself up for success. We need to pick and choose the times, the environments, the variables that create success for you. Start with that and remain with that for however much time you need to until that becomes a comfort level for you, and then build on that and add different variables as we need to. What I often do while I'm actually in the car with a client is I look at how potential deficits are being impacted by the stimulation of driving. So whether it's headache, whether it's nausea, whether it's visual changes, whether it's the anxiety. I will kind of take, uh, take the pulse of that before we start, and then at every, let's say, a 10-minute increment, I'll reassess what's going on with those symptoms, and what I may do is recommend, okay, only drive for 10 minutes at a time initially, because after 10 minutes, your headache's increasing or your anxiety is increasing. Let's start with just a 10-minute drive at a time. Let's do that for six, eight weeks. It really depends on what's right for the client. So it's sort of a rebuilding that we that we do in those situations
1: mhm um I'm trying to think of how to phrase this question what okay. what are some things um that someone can do on their own to try so like obviously driving involves um everything <laughs> reaction times. Yeah. visual, peripheral vision, um, mobility, yeah. you know, it encompasses so many things. It's, it's a lot of multitasking. Really so what are some yeah. things someone can work on before they even go to the doctor to get their clearance? Do you have any well, again, suggestions?
0: Is, yeah, there are some things that are out there that are actually, there's more and more research coming out that suggests are helpful in, in rebuilding driving skills. And, and, again, it depends on what the skill is that you need to rebuild. But it, it seems silly, but there's a lot of research um, relating some computer games, some driving computer games, mm-hmm. some conceptual c- computer games, some games, even shoot-em-up games that require a lot of reaction time and speed. Those have a lot of um, reliability now with increasing some of those skills for driving. Driving, one of the toughest things, is that need to be aware of and react to multiple stimulation in your environment incredibly quickly. You know, you think about all the things you need to stay on top of behind the wheel of the car, speed, position, other cars, where you're going, the kid on the bike, everything going on at sort of such a magnified speed as compared to normal life. You can kind of recreate some of that playing computer games if you're not someone who's into computer games and that kind of thing, even just playing some games on an iPad, even getting to the point where you're doing word search puzzles and those sorts of things if you want to go much more Mm low-tech. But -hmm. anything like that will stimulate visual tracking, will stimulate some of that need to be aware of lots of different sensations and stimulation at the same time.
1: You know, it's funny that you bring up computer games because I hear that, brought up a lot but that's you yes. doctors suggest playing video games because it really yes. does it, it it it's that hand to eye coordination. Um Absolutely. and I remember the first time I sat down, I used to play guitar hero. And uh, yes. I think mean, for the first yes. year I didn't even like I didn't even try to play it. Like I had no interest yes. in it. Um but then I yes. sat down to play it and I was like oh my God, this is so hard and I used to be really yes. good at it. And you yeah. know, it does come back fairly quickly. It's really really yeah. frustrating at first. Um yeah. but it does. It really kind of rebounds quickly. And I do think that me starting to play that game again actually helps me with a lot of my other stuff that was going on. Right. Um And, and would not so don't, rather don't have like that? don't <laughs> I, well, I was just gonna say, don't laugh off video games because people think that that's so silly and stupid, and I'm not yes. a kid. But really, no, yes. it it helps.
0: Yeah, I, I work a lot with a, a local neurologist in town, and, and he's the one actually has been sending me recently some new studies about video games and, and their correlation with driving reentry. So, so there, there's some legit stuff out there about games.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I, I, I have to say. <laughs> I, who'd have thought getting back to Guitar Hero would help me improve a lot of my hand-eye coordination? <laughs> and wouldn't, um, wouldn't, you rather,
0: wouldn't you rather that frustration and, and dealing with that be something in your living room, playing a game, than experiencing gosh. that on the road? Yes. And,
1: you know, I remember, too, the first, gosh, I'd say a year and a half, I would yeah. I would drive without the radio on. Um, yep. Just even that simple distraction of the radio was just a little bit too much, like, multitasking for me. Um, yeah,
0: and that, that's a know, really good and, point. You know, that's, that's another one of the recommendations I often make when people are starting that driving reentry is to minimize all of those distractions. So it's the radio on, it's friends in the car, it's just yep. driving in places where you know where you're going so you don't have to be looking for a road sign or wondering what the speed limit is. It's turning off your phone, because even if you don't answer it, we tend to think to ourselves, oh, I wonder who that was and what that was about. So just turning it off so we don't even know it's wrong. So, yes, minimizing distractions and, again, setting yourself up for success by creating the – it's never going to be easy, but the easiest scenario you can for yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know, too,
1: I had to start, even if I was going somewhere that i go all the time, like Target, i go there all the time, and yep. I would get lost. I'd be like, where am I? And so just yep. setting the GPS, even if you don't think you're going to need it, just having it mm-hmm. so if you have that moment of panic, where am I? <laughs> it's right there. Yep. Like, you know, you but don't have to, and- like, waste any extra energy.
0: And using friends and family to help you, you know, let them know. Hey, tomorrow I'm going to go to Target at 10ish in the morning. This is my plan. I'll call you when I get back. If you don't hear from me by this time, call me. Find out what's going on. So again, setting yourself yes. up in a way that you you have a sort of a support system, a little bit of a safety net. And those sorts of things also help with that anxiety piece. If you know you've established the sort of backup plans and a plan B and you're – so it helps with that feeling, okay, I, I can handle this now because I've got these support systems in place.
1: hmm Yeah, I remember that was really frightening, the sense of not knowing where I was all of a sudden, Um yeah. And I was on the right road. Like, I was going the right way. Like, it wasn't like I had made a wrong turn or
0: anything. Right. Um, and right. I just remember that
1: was just so, like, disorienting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there are, you know, we so, talked about – oh, sorry. Go ahead. Nope, you go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say we talked about playing computer games for some of that eye-hand coordination and dealing with sort of overstimulation and managing that. But map reading, and I know we don't use maps very much anymore, but you can find things like mazes and things like activity puzzle books that have sort of, if you were to go right here and left here, how would you get from the bank to the this? You know, there's a lot of those sorts Mm -hmm. of things out there where you can do sort of that geographic orientation and kind of work through some of that stuff too. So Penny, what are um, do you have any other like hints or tips or tricks um, that you have for our listeners? You know, I, I think that the most critical ones are some of the things we've talked about. It's medically you have to be ready, mentally you have to be mm-hmm. ready, you have to establish ways of making yourself as successful as possible, um, and if. You know, even if you've been back to driving for two or three weeks and you wake up one day and you think, I don't feel it today, listen to your body. Yeah. To what, you yeah. know, because we all know we have good, good and bad days, whether we've had a brain injury or not. Listen to those days where you're not feeling you're optimal and, and choose maybe not to get behind the wheel of the car. Those days are beca- going to become fewer and more far between, but they are going to happen, and I think it, it it really is our responsibility to listen to that when that happens, because, again, it's not just about us. It's about everybody else out on the road. hmm Yeah,
1: that, that self-awareness of I'm having a bad day today. I remember yep. having to go to my, um, my doctor's appointment, and he was only five miles from me, so I was able to, like, take back roads. And there was definitely yeah. days I knew I wasn't as alert. And so I was much more cautious or conscientious yeah. as I was driving. Because um, yeah. uh, I was very aware let, of that. But, yeah.
0: Don't let the other people out on the road dictate how you drive either. You know, don't be yes. worried about what they do. <laughs> be worried about what you do in your awareness. Because you know how it is. You've got people who seem to be in a rush to get everywhere and, and, and they're going to put pressure on you to behave differently you do what is right for you in that moment
1: yes absolutely well
0: Penny thank you so
1: much you have really given some really great suggestions and, and I think you've given hope I mean there's definitely always hope that you can get your driver's license back um, if absolutely. you're determined I think that, that you can definitely do it um, yep. and knowing that there is light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> it
0: sure is. Yep. Um,
1: so how can you say again um, so once you get the doctor's clearance, then who should you seek out um, what would be the specialty that you would seek out to help get
0: I, I think the back best, on the road best, The best next step would be to contact your local DMV and ask them for a list of driver rehab Providers. So those are. Going driver to be rehab op- providers. Yeah, those are going to be either occupational therapists who have had continuing education in the specialized program of driving, or they're going to be certified driver rehab specialists. Um, but the DMV, all DMVs should carry a list of who those specialists are for you to be able to contact.
1: Excellent. Well, Penny, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here and help yes. educate our listeners. And thank In you again pleasure. so thank much.
0: You. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, Amy
1: and thank you all for listening. I I hope that you found today's podcast to be very informational for you. And I hope that you'll tune in again tomorrow as I talk with Becky Henry and we're going to be talking all about self-care and mindfulness for TBI survivors and caregivers. So again, all of you i hope you tune back in again tomorrow and you can always find all of the replays of all of our previous episodes at faces and you can also subscribe through itunes so be sure to um, follow us on itunes and so again thank you everyone for listening i hope you enjoyed today's show and i will see you all again next time